morning, everybody. So I said weekly we would just uh, update you and give you an idea of what took place during the week. Of course, uh, you know, when school gets back, then sickness says, man, that's a good vehicle for me to ride along. So we had uh, actually two groups did not meet because of sickness, and uh, then one group was out of town. But uh, we had, uh, as they put the thing up here, you can see that this week we had, I think we had seven groups uh, with 64 people in attendance. And here's a couple things that happened. One, it was, through, it was through the life groups that we discovered that one of our children had been praying for somebody at uh, school, and God healed that person's ears. Uh, we also had kind of an informal group that uh, met at a restaurant, and uh, as they kind of were encouraging one another, and it's been over a period of time that they were able to lead their, uh, their waitress to the Lord and uh, be praying that she's going to be with us uh, next week, Lord willing. So uh, God is up to stuff, and so it's important that we identify it. And what you, even when Bill was talking, you know, the uh, relationship really is the uh, the uh, the, mo- the vehicle that God uses uh, for people to be healed, for people to be transformed. Uh, as God does reveal Himself uh, by His Spirit, but He does it person to person. And, uh, and that's why, of course, being in groups is so important together. If you're not in a group, you want to meet a group, make sure that you fill out the grow card and put uh, life groups on there so we know. Uh, take your Bibles open to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. In 2002, uh, Arizona was at the, um, in kind of in the middle of the what would become at that time the largest forest fire in Arizona history, burned over uh, half a million acres, which is just a number. But when you understand that you literally drive 85 miles uh, from one end to the other, you begin to get an uh, idea of the magnitude of the fire. And as the fire was burning to the west of where we lived, uh, we lived where there was constantly the emergency broadcast system going off, uh, and, uh, and there was a potential that we would have to evacuate. And, uh, and I'm not really bright at times because Clarissa would say, we got to prepare. And I'm like, nah, we're not going to have to evacuate. Uh, and, and then, of course, the day came where we had to evacuate. And, uh, and there was only one in the household that was really prepared. That was Clarissa. And what we did is we loaded everything that was of value to us in the back of my F-250. That's a Ford, by the way. Uh, and... Uh, and we just kind of drove away knowing that there's a quite a possibility that everything that we left behind would be burnt up. Our chi- our, one of our kids and his wife moved to Oklahoma, and it was um, three months in between selling their house in Arizona and closing in Oklahoma, and all of their furniture uh, was in storage that leaked, and all of their stuff got mold, and they sit in a house with very little stuff now because all their stuff was ruined. You know, we're, listen, we are a people in this day and age of stuff. We love our stuff. What would you say is your most valued possession? I'm not asking you to answer that, but I want you to think about that a moment. What is your most valued? If you had to leave, what would you take? Clarissa always says to me, because every year I, I go, I'm going to sell my motorcycle and I'm going to buy a boat or I'm going to sell my motorcycle and buy a golf cart. And she just shakes her head at me because she knows I love my motorcycle. 
We like our stuff. When we start following Jesus, uh, something does begin to change in us. We start going, you know, I love Jesus. And, and love is just not an instantaneous thing. It's not something that is, you know, you just have love or you don't have love. You grow in love. You, you find that as you go after Jesus, as you pursue him, you want him more. Uh, it's, it's God is funny this way. And someone, someone said there actually is another name of God that is not in the Bible this week. And I'm going I'm to latch on to it because it's really good. Because God's kind of funny. He, we find him and then we spend the rest of our time trying to find him again. That's because where you have, in the Bible, you have Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Jireh. What's not in the Bible is Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> Jehovah Sneaky, because he's always sneaking around. You don't know where he's at, what's going on. And, and, uh, and in fact, even as, as, as you know, I'm just kind of just listening to the Lord, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching the, the movement of Bethel spiritually moving into a dynamic where more and more people are seeing the activity of the Lord. I think this is all wonderful things that we need to pursue. And while we pursue it, we never want to lose sight of what God loves. Because we can, get, we can love stuff, or we can love, you know, we can love a ministry, we can love God doing things. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, God loves people. You know, one of our values simply is that, that people are the highest order of creation. Made in the God's own image. And the object of his, get this next word, intense affection and claim of ownership. Now, it's easy for us, and the longer you're a follower of Jesus, it's easy to hear these words and, I get it, I'm with you. And certainly you're now speaking to somebody other than me because I really love well. But the only place in the New Testament where Jesus gave a command had everything to do with loving what God loves. In John chapter 13, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one if you have love for one another. A new commandment. A new commandment he gives here. In all the places in the New Testament, whenever you read the word commandment, it is looking back to the Old Testament. This is the one place where Jesus is saying, you better get this. Because people are literally the highest order of creation made in God's own image, and are objects of his intense affection and claim of ownership. Anytime you live in a culture that sin is growing, where sin is expanding, you're going to see more and more where culture devalues humans. Because God loves them, Satan hates them. And so Jesus gives a commandment. We're to love. The early church had these things called love feasts. It only lasted until they say about around the year 300. But it was, it was somewhat of a secret 
society, kind of a secret society because, because Christians were persecuted. But they got together with these love feasts where they would, they would share a meal together. They would make sure that everybody had something to eat. They would wash one another's feet. And then they would partake of communion together. Romans in that, in that day and age, they, they so devalued humans that if you weren't Roman or you were an orphan or you were a widow, you didn't have value and you going off and dying somewhere was not something that was a big deal. And so Christians said, we want to make sure that the orphans are taken care of because orphans and widows are loved by God. They understood the intense affection that God had and has for people. And so they themselves lived out the commandment to love one another. So do you love what God loves? How do you demonstrate it? See, it's one thing to say you love. It's a whole other thing to actually love. Because as the great uh, band DC Talk said, love's a verb. Some of you knew the song. But when you understand first and foremost, and this is the connect this morning, that this is a demand. It's a demand. It's a demand that we love one another. Do you know what that means? That if Jesus puts up with you, You probably can finish that on your own, right? It means that if Jesus is patient with you, but it also means that if he receives joy from you, if he is at peace with you, if he's kind to you, if he gives good things to you, if he's faithful to you, if he's gentle with you, and I like this one, if he shows self-control with you, how are we doing at keeping the commandment to love one another? There are some people that it's really easy, by the way, to be patient with. There are some people that it's easy to, to be faithful to because they're faithful to me. They're faithful to you. There's some people it's easy to be kind to because they're just kind people. But Jesus didn't say, my grace is sufficient here. He said, a commandment I give you, a new one, that you love as I have loved you. So what's the difference? How is this any different than love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself? Because there is a spiritual dynamic that Jesus brings in here that is required of his followers, that he expects of his followers, that goes well beyond just loving your next door neighbor, that goes well beyond just turning and worshiping, worshiping God. Love as Jesus loves always results in an act of redemption. There is a transformative power of spiritual love that he is commanding us to have. 
I want you to just look at somebody. Look at, look at somebody right in the eyes. Just this, somebody that's close to you. Look at them in the eyes. Okay? All right, ready? Keep looking at them. Don't, don't, don't lose your icon. Don't look at me. Just, but find somebody. Okay, everybody found somebody? Now I want you to look at them. I want you to say these words. Don't look at me. Say it to them. The world would be a better place if everyone was like me. All right, now I'm going to help you here. I'm going to give it a little context because you guys are all over the place feeling bad. Who should be the most loving people on the planet? Christians. Would the world be a better place if they were like you? Yes. But here's the thing. We set a real low bar for ourselves. But Jesus said, I give you a commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, if you're, if you're in your place in your Christian walk where you never do anything for anyone, or you only do things for people that like you or are like, or are like you, then you have a little ways to go. But Paul, standing in, in before court, says, I wish that everyone was like me. Because there's this, this dynamic of love that is, a, that is a spiritual component that can only come through people who are following Jesus. So when you feel like being mean, probably good to retreat and let the spiritual part take over. Because if everyone was like me, the world would be a better place. All right, you ready for the next object lesson? Take your hands, go like this. Now, I want you to think about, while, that, while your hand's out there, I want you to think about the person that you love the most or the easiest and all the things that you have given them. Okay, things come to mind? Could be a gift, could be an action, could be words of affirmation, but you give it to them. Now, I want you to think the person in your life that's the hardest to love. The person that you struggle with the most. The person that is so profoundly different than you. That when you see him in the grocery store, it's all of a sudden you look down the aisle and then, oh wait, there's somebody over here I'm supposed to go see. What do you possess to give them? Because the reality is, is that we can, we can love people who are nice to us, but... We don't have anything to give somebody who's hurt us. We don't have something to give somebody who drives us crazy or gossips about them, gossip, gossips about you. We don't have something to give when it comes to, to a person that, that pushes themselves up by pushing you down. We don't have something to give a person who won't take your advice who, or who doesn't even recognize that you exist. Because here's the truth. You cannot give what you do not have. And if you think that it's automatic, then you're missing it. There's a reason Jesus says it's a commandment. Because it's not going to be something that is easy or possible on our own ability to actually accomplish. So when Jesus is overcoming all the commandments of the Old Testament, he said you couldn't do it. But I give you a new commandment. That you love one another.
Because ultimately, when it comes to the faith, when it comes to following Jesus, what is in you will flow through you. What is in you will flow through you. So let's talk about the difference. How do we get that? How do we make sure that we have it? Because, because I, you know, listen, I, this was a high watch period for Jesus coming back. I go to sleep going, it's okay if you come while I'm sleeping, Jesus. I'll wake up and have my oil lamp full, ready to go. And, uh, and, and yet, I, this morning, I woke up and I kind of I said, Lord, I'm probably going to be a little disappointed if you don't come back. So, you know, it'd be nice if you came back. But if he doesn't come back... I'll get over my disappointment. But the fact is, is the further the world and our culture gets into sin, the closer it's going to come to us to have to actually, now I know this can be hard, actually love our enemies. Because we can, we can come in the four walls of the church and, and have this place of, of seclusion with people that we love and people we like and people that we are like and be really good. But some of you work in, a, in an environment in, in your workplace where it's hostile toward you. How do you love like Jesus loved? Well, the difference has everything to do with the person, the position, and the process. Let me kind of just walk through this here with you really quick. The person is Jesus. And the more we have Jesus, the more we'll be able to love. The more Jesus I actually possess will be the more Jesus that I could actually give away. And I can give it away to anybody. Because Jesus, I, I just, I'm always amazed at here Jesus is with his disciples and he washes the feet of the guy who is going to, who's going to turn him over to the Romans. Who's going to make sure that he goes to the cross. He looks at him and calls him friend. Who in your life do you, do you think, well, I just want him to die so I don't have anything to do with him? And Jesus said, you love like I love. You look at your enemy who wants to kill you, who wants to end you, and you call him friend. Yeah, right. I, I think sometimes we think we know love when we really don't. We have little expressions of it here and there. But this is why it's so important that on a, on a regular basis, we position ourselves before God to receive that dynamic. I'm walking around the office this week, um, kind of musing and complaining to the Lord about something or other. I know none of you do that. I'm just being transparent. I do that. And the Lord has the audacity to say, well, Rich, that's real vindictive of you. Some of you are going, what was he being vindictive about? Listen, we all have these thoughts that run through our minds, right? Yet none of you are amen, but you know it's true. But what was I doing? I was taking the lack and I was positioning myself before the Lord so it could be dealt with. So, so literally, I would be able to have something in my hands to give when I needed it. And if you don't position yourself before God with the people who are the hardest, you're going to find your hands empty, unable to give. Because, you know, again, say this all the time. It's just, a, it's just a true biblical principle, whether it's money or whether it's love. God gives givers gifts to give. 
And so even when we talk about what God is doing in the spirit, what he's talking about doing in the prophetic, when he's opening our eyes to, to, to gifts of knowledge, and he's, he's doing all that stuff is gifts of love. What you find if you, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you have in 12 and 14, you have everything about spiritual gifts, about the miraculous things that God does. And right in the middle of it is the chapter on love. Because God will use the, 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 the miraculous in order to demonstrate his love and his intense affection for every human being. And so in the church, when we think about the prophetic or we think about the, the miraculous taking place through us, it always has to be done in the context of love being the, I think of it as the meat of the sandwich. All the miracles and stuff is the bread, but the meat of it, it's love because God loves. The reason the Lord wants to answer your prayer about a sick person in your work is, is not so he can show off, it's so he can demonstrate his love. And so as we come to the Lord and we position ourselves, then we're able to give. For me, I've told this story again, but it, to me, it's just it's such a relevant, important dynamic of, of my life. Clarissa and I were uh, living in Arizona. I wasn't a full-time minister yet. I, I just still started to work into it. And, uh, and we, we had a pastor who, he was kind of a knucklehead. I know it's hard to believe that pastors can be knuckleheads. We can be all spiritual and still have some knuckleheadness about us, right? You don't have to agree with that in this church, but it is still possible. And so there, but, but I, I, was, I was the associate pastor and, and we had a youth pastor and we had a director of education and, and, and we would sit on Sunday and we'd be listening to things that he was saying and, and it's not that he was lying, but he wasn't telling the whole truth. You know, in the court, you tell the truth, nothing but the truth, or, but or, the truth, uh, nothing but the truth, the whole truth. So help me God, right? Because there, there's the truth, but then you can frame words that, that really isn't necessarily the whole truth, and, and it's not the complete truth because you're not giving the full picture. And so this was kind of taking place, and so we just, we went to him individually. We didn't, we didn't go to the different people of the church and get a, and so we could go and say, all these people are saying this is happening. No, we went to him individually and said, hey, this is taking place. He did not respond kindly to it. In fact, the following Sunday in our, in our first service, uh, as I remember it, he gets up and, and uh, it was probably after we, we sang and so on and so forth. And he, and he says something to the effect of this. You know, there have been a lot of things said this week and voices raised, but I'm going to forgive everybody. And he called the three of us up in front of the church and washed our feet. Now, how do you think, what emotions do you think got deposited into my heart at that moment? Yet yeah, none of them were good. My, my first one, I was glad Clarissa wasn't there. This was the church that, that we dedicated our children in. This was the church that, that I came to the faith in. And without giving the whole picture, once again, there was accusations made. I had a lot of unforgiveness in my heart. I, I really, you know, I mean, I like the Die Hard movies. They're a great Christmas movie. I'm fed all the time revenge. Now remember that I was, we had, and just in the process of time, we moved to the White Mountains, and, and I'm in prayer, which is the name of the jacuzzi that we owned, and, <laughs> and I'm processing with the Lord, and the Lord says to me in just a real subtle voice, he said, when did I forgive you? 
I said, well, a long time ago, long before I was born, yes. And you need to forgive even before it's asked. The Lord, I, I positioned myself and the Lord, it wasn't overnight, and then, but the Lord gave me something that I could give. And so when that pastor who eventually went back on the evangelistic trail because the church finally let him go, uh, he was in the area and I said, hey, let's get together for lunch because I had something that was in my hand. I had love for someone who profoundly hurt me because I, I was in relationship with the person, Jesus. And I was, I was positioned, but then he says there's this process. You have to choose. And when I chose, I listen, you can choose to forgive, but it's when you choose to forgive that the miraculous begins to happen. Now, all of a sudden, a healing begins to happen. Now something begins to transform you. Because what was not in you before gets inside of you. And the big difference is that is what is in you will ultimately flow through you. So let me kind of, I want to take a little bit more time with the go piece today because there's a diversity that's important that we understand when it comes to this expression of love. Because, because it doesn't matter if it's junior high, you know, a junior high dance or it's a big event at a church. The men are on one side and the women are on the other. Right? We, we gravitate toward People who are like us, whether it's the things that they do or whether it's what they look like or whatever it is, we gravitate toward that. And it's not that that is a bad thing. But if we're to love like Jesus loved, I want you to get this. I don't, before Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, he only knew perfection. And then he came and walked amongst us. He put up with a lot of stuff. It wasn't the word that immediately came, but he put up with a lot of stuff. And he was okay with diversity. He went, he went, uh, he went to people's houses. He went to, to tombs and, and cemetery places just so that he could give love. And that's what he's called us to. So you've got to go outside of your, your comfort zone. He went to the rich. He went to the poor. He went to the healthy, he went to the sick. He went to the touchable and untouchable. He went to the young, he went to the old. And the church is made up of all sorts of characters. Your life groups are made up of all sorts of different characters. So what I did is I, I, I've got some characters that I thought we would just go through real quickly. Because you may be like this person. And as we go through it, I want you to maybe think who you're like, but then who you know that's the furthest from you. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, uh, the one... Uh, Beauty and the Beast, you'll know this first character, Cogsworth. This is a person who puts, uh, you know, really honor and duty before uh, everything else. They're they're a practical person. Uh, They love tradition. They're highly loyal. Bethel's not short of these people. Then there's Cinderella. Of course, Cinderella is the perfect example of kindness and loyalty and she goes to great lengths to help someone in need. Notice I'm only giving the positives here. Or maybe Pocahontas loves different types of people. In fact, a Pocahontas type of person really knows how people tick. Uh, then there's Elsa. This is a, a bright and forward-thinking person who's certainly independent and just kind of this natural leader. 
um, they have a tendency to, uh, to, be, uh, to be a skeptic and, and a little bit pessimistic. Then my all-time favorite character, Flick. Because here's a guy who's a real problem solver. Understands that things, really, you understand them best by taking, apart, taking them apart. Uh, but he wasn't real fond of the rules, and obviously was greatly adventurous. Then, of course, there's Pumbaa, friendly, kind, enjoys having uh, the space, uh, extremely loyal and committed to, to the friends. What about Mr. Owl, the thinker, the person that tends to get lost in their thoughts? You're always seeing, looking for this logical explanation. Um, and here's a big thing. You're kind of interested in the things that, are, that you're interested in. What about Peter Pan? Here's someone who never shies away from attention. I'm sure we don't know anybody like that. You're friendly, outgoing, sometimes loud. You rarely get bored and love spending time with friends. Or maybe Aladdin. This kind of person, there's a whole world out there. And they just love to imagine the possibilities. They're warm, they're creative. And they tend to look on the bright side of things. Or last one here, Mufasa. Sensitive and needs everyone in the circle of life. You kind of have this unique gift. And you like giving guidance when somebody really needs it. So who are you like? And who are the people that are the furthest from you? Because when we, when we talk about diversity... It starts by making a decision to go outside of your comfort level. It's about really beginning to recognize, now watch this, the preciousness in the people around you. See, one of the reasons we like these characters is because all that's really shown is the preciousness of them. And so we attach ourselves to them because maybe they have a bit of preciousness in them that are in us. But Jesus connected and moved about such a different um, group of people. So it's in this diversity where we need to really go to the Father and say, okay, you ready for this? And this is your assignment this week. I really, if you, if you, want, to take, if you want to take Jesus' word and, and love one another because he's commanded it, here's what you do. Father, you've got to go to the Father, right? And you say, Father, who do you want me to express love to Got to ask him that question. It's not something the church typically thinks of because we're so well, uh, live our life in this, this well-worn path that this is just the way we do it. But what if, what, what would happen if we were able to go to somebody who is profoundly different than us, being directed by the Father, that we could look at them and without saying these words, go, the world's a better place because you're looking at me. Because the Lord positioned you to a very specific person. But there's another dynamic to it. It isn't just a matter of going there. We also have to ask the Father, what do you want me to do? Now here's where you get Jehovah sneaky. Because he throws things out there you would never think of. Could be, it could be just a text, a word of encouragement. It could, be, it could be a gift that you give them. Whatever it is. 
You say, Lord, I want to do it. Now, here's the last thing you got to do. So, God, who do you want me to go to? Who do you want me to, who do you want me to express love to this week? Just one person. What do you want me to do? Okay. This is critical. When do you want me to do it? Don't assume. Because God has this incredible ability of timing. He kind of sneaks up on people. Because we're talking about, we're talking about a God who knows all time, all the time at one time. And so he knows what a person's doing here while you're doing something over here. And when we, when we authentically come to him and say, when do you want me to do it? Boom. Miracle takes place. You hear things like, how did you ever know that I needed that? Why would you come to me? Well, I tell you what, what an opportunity. Why would you come to me? Because the lo- God loves you. He wanted me to show his love to you this week. Imagine these incredible moments that could happen in the DFW area if just us and whoever's watching online would make a choice to go to the Father and say, would you diversify me? Would you tell me who to love this week? Would you tell me how to love this week? And give me the moment or the when to love this week. I'm telling you something. It'd be really cool. And the stories that would take place there. In fact, I think that as you meet in your life groups this week, that's a great thing to talk about. Here's what God, God had me do. This is what I experienced. Or I'm still praying, I don't know. This one person keeps coming to mind, but God would never have me go to that person. Let me give you a clue right off the bat. That's absolutely God. So Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us, putting up with us, and causing us to to really be a people that uh, require a commandment to love one another as you have loved us. And Lord, I believe, Lord, that you are moving us into a place, Lord, where we are recognizing that we really don't have what we need, but we're coming to the person who has it, and that's you. And we say, would you give it? Would you give it? And Holy Spirit, I believe, Lord, that even this week, you're going to be challenging people uh, to come to you and love differently and, and diversify this place of love as never before. In Jesus' name. If you agreed with that at any point, say amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.